Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm David Greenstein. We're studying Tractate Ketuvot, Daf Kufchet, Amud Aleph, Vamud Bet, 108, A and B. If you're looking at a standard page of the Talmud, then you will notice that this page has a lot less Talmudic text on it than usual. And this is because the page is covered with extensive comments, especially by the Tosafists, the 12th, 13th, 14th century Talmudic scholars from the Rhineland area in France, who try to work with some of the references in our text and deal with the issues that they raise with reference to many other Talmudic texts that seem to be dealing with the same issues, but are not easily reconciled in their discussions and in their halachic determinations with the material that we have in our sugya, in our Talmudic discussion. We're not going to be able to do anything other than slightly, slightly scratch the surface of a little bit of the richness of this sugya, of this Talmudic discussion. The page substantially quotes a Mishnah that comes from another tractate, Tractate Nidarim, which is about taking oaths, and the Mishnah discusses a person who takes a vow not to benefit or not to grant benefit or not to derive benefit from another person. And apparently that vow is also taken by the other person uh, so that they are mutually pledged not to do any favors to each other. And the Mishnah then says that there are certain things that they can do for each other despite these vows which are valid and which need to be honored in every other case. The examples that the Mishnah gives are shokelo et shiklo, that a person in such a situation can give the, not shekel, but half shekel annual mandated contribution to the temple. The temple was able to sustain itself and bring the various sacrifices that needed to be offered throughout the year because it had a budget that was based on the obligatory tax, the head tax, for every adult male in Israel of paying a half a shekel. So what if I decide to pay the half shekel on behalf of my neighbor? Except that I'm not talking to my neighbor, I'm not uh, doing any favors for my neighbor, and my neighbor cannot benefit or have any favors done for them by me. Is it a favor for me to pay the shekel, the half shekel. And the Mishnah says no. And our page in Ktubot explains that this is because even though we're all obligated to give a half a shekel for the upkeep of the sacrificial system in the temple, the sacrifices that are given are given on behalf of the entire people, and they include even those people who have not contributed their half shekel. This could happen in a number of ways. First, maybe you've made a late payment, so the half shekel hasn't arrived yet. Or perhaps the half shekel has gotten lost, 
and your half shekel donation has not contributed to the overall pot that the temple is drawing from to pay its bills. Rashi explains that this also means that the sacrifices that are given in the temple on behalf of the people will be done on behalf of people even if they do not ever pay their obligatory half shekel donation. Sacrifices are given on behalf of everyone and include everyone in the community, even those who are not pulling their own weight. Tosfot is very surprised by that statement. And Tosfot finds it hard to believe that if a person can't bring themselves to give their obligatory half shekel donation, that they are still nevertheless included within the community sacrifice system. They reject the idea that the sacrificial system will include a person who is completely unresponsive to his obligations. Another example that the Mishnah gives is Porea et Chovo, that the person, even though they're not asked to do so, decides to pay off a loan that their neighbor has. In this case, the neighbor is materially benefiting as opposed to the half-shekel story where maybe he never would have had to pay his half-shekel. But here, he's materially benefiting because he will not have to pay off the loan because his neighbor has done so. Why isn't this considered a favor? The answer is it is considered a favor, but it's not considered a tangible benefit. The Talmud suggests that the loan that we're talking about is an open-ended loan, which in the end maybe the person could get away with not paying. So even though the neighbor pays the loan, the borrower could claim that that's not really a benefit to me because I never would have had to be out of pocket myself. It's this Mishnah that is now brought to bear with regard to the Mishnah here in Ketubot that is found on page 107b. Our Mishnah in Ketubot says that a person who leaves their wife behind and goes off on a trip and makes no apparent provisions to take care of his wife while he's away and then has a third party come in and pay her living expenses, that person, that husband, is not obligated to repay the expenses, the outlay, that that third person has given on behalf of his wife. Even though he personally was obligated to pay for the upkeep of his wife, he had never asked this third person to do him a favor, and therefore it's not considered an obligation for him to repay the debt. This is Hanan's opinion. The person who paid the upkeep of the woman has completely lost all of his money. Our Talmudic discussion makes an analogy between this case with the case of Poreat Chovo. It's similar, says the Talmud, to the example of a person who pays off any other monetary obligation that a person could have, such as being a borrower. And therefore, the Mishnah in Nidarim, which says that it's not considered a material benefit granted to the borrower when you pay off that person's debt unbidden, that opinion has to accord only with Hanan's opinion which, we have to remember, was a controversial opinion and which was rejected by other authorities, specifically the priestly authorities that are quoted in our Mishnah as saying, no, the third party has to simply swear what was the total outlay that he put forward 
on behalf of the abandoned wife, and we believe his oath, and the husband is definitely obligated to pay. He derived benefit from the generous gesture of this third party. A tractate then tries to figure out whether or not that is true. Is the Mishnah and the Darim only following the opinion of Hanan, or can it be reconciled with the opinion of the other authorities? And this is a matter of dispute between Rav Oshaya and Rava. Tosvot, in many of the cross-references that it cites, tries to come to grips with this whole concept. What does it mean to say that something is a favor that you're doing to somebody, but nevertheless it's not considered a material benefit that they have enjoyed such that they have to pay you back? And one of the many examples that Tosfot appeals to is the case which we find in Ketubot earlier on page 80a, Pei Amud Aleph, which says that if a person unasked goes into your garden and plants things in your garden, then that person is entitled to be repaid for the benefit that they have given you. So Tosos wants to understand that seems to be analogous to our case as well. And there, the Mishnah obligates the owner who has received unasked for benefit from their neighbor to repay their neighbor, while here in Ketubot, according to Hanan, and according to the opinion in the Mishnah in the Darim, there is no such obligation. The answer that they give is that material benefit literally must be something that you can point your finger at. In the case of planting flowers or fruits or vegetables in a garden, you can point to the benefit. You can see the benefit. The benefit is be'en, ba'ayin. And therefore, it's absurd to say that the owner, just because they didn't ask for it, is not deriving a benefit from the actions of their neighbor. But in the case of paying the living expenses of the wife, or in the case of paying off the debt of the neighbor, there is no tangible object that we can point to as being the locus of the benefit. One further point is that Talmud here in Tubot offers a concept which is not found in the parallel discussion in Nidarim, which covers much of the same ground as is covered in our sugya, in our Talmudic discussion. And that is the question of kisufa, embarrassment, shame. The suggestion is made here that preventing someone from feeling shame is a benefit. So in the case of paying off somebody's loan, a person who is in debt to someone else and who feels that they have to pay and then they feel embarrassed that they haven't paid yet or that they can't pay will be very grateful if somebody pays off their debt. And that situation will exist even if, theoretically, repayment of the debt could be put off indefinitely. On the contrary, indefinitely putting off the payment of the debt will simply extend longer the sense of dependency and the sense of embarrassment that the person has. In the Darim, this concept of Kisufa does not appear at all, and there the Talmud has to find other means of explaining the various rulings in our Mishnah and in the Mishnah in the Darim.
I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.